Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. Solomon leaned to his own understanding, which is exactly what he said in verse 5, don't do. Don't, Solomon says, don't ever lean to your own understanding. What did Solomon do? Lean to his own understanding. Didn't follow his own wisdom. See, that's the tragedy. That's a tragedy for a pastor. Teaching the Word of God week in and week out, studying hours a week and not living by his own teaching. This is what Solomon did. When you look at the life of King Solomon, it's easy to pass judgment. He had a thousand wives after all. It's not as if he took them all without knowing it was wrong. But he only started with one. He chose a wife from a people who served other gods. Went downhill from there. If you truly examine your life, you may see compromises that you're making. Seemingly insignificant, you blow them off as nothing or justify making them because it serves your own wants. Before you know it, there will be a sea of disobedience separating you from him. It took Solomon until the end of his life to realize that all his accumulation added up to nothing. Don't leave a lifetime of regrets. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 8, verse 1 for part one of our message entitled Solomon's Roller Coaster Ride. beautiful sunny Saturday morning and Patrick was on the golf course with his pre-shot routine. He was visualizing the upcoming shot when a voice came on the clubhouse loudspeaker with the gentleman on the ladies tee (laughs) back up to the men's tee please. Patrick was still in deep routine impervious to the interruption. Again, the announcement, would the man on the woman's tee kindly back up to the men's tee? Again, the announcement, Patrick heard it. Now he'd had enough. He moved away from his ball. He lowered his driver back to the ground, and he said in a pretty angry voice, would the announcer in the clubhouse kindly be quiet and let me play my second shot? Sometimes that's the way life is. It's a little bit of a roller coaster if you've ever been on the golf course. We're going to see tonight another roller coaster, different, but very possible in our lives. If you would graph your Christian life, what would it look like? If you would go back a few years and Take where you started and look at your spiritual growth. For most of us, it will be a little bit of a roller coaster ride. We have to be honest. We're human. We still fail. We still sin. There are times in our lives 
we've all been through them. When it's a little dry, we're struggling. There's other times when it doesn't get any better than this. You see, as we look at our lives, there's been times when we knew we shouldn't do what we just did, but we hadn't did it anyway. You could graph it. It goes like that. But you're going to see wide swings in the life of Solomon. Realistically, there shouldn't be wide swings in our walk with God. There will be some dips, but if you look at it, it should eventually be going like this. We should be growing and maturing. There'll always be some of those. Now, some of you have had some big ones, but you're back on. Praise God. We'll see tonight in our own lives some things to learn as we go through Solomon's roller coaster ride. Let's look at chapter 8, verse 1. At the end of 20 years, during which Solomon built the temple of the Lord, by the way, it took him seven years to build that temple and his own palace, Solomon rebuilt the villages that Hiram had given him and settled Israelites in them. And Solomon went up to Hamath Zobah and he captured it. And he also built Tadmor in the desert and all the store cities he had built in Harmath. He rebuilt Upper Beth Haran and Lower Beth Haran as fortified cities with walls and with gates and bars, as well as Balath and all his store cities and all the cities for his chariots and for his horses, whatever he desired to build in Jerusalem and Lebanon and throughout all the territory. And all the people left from the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and Hivites and the Jebusites, these people were not Israelites. That is, their descendants remaining in the land whom the Israelites had not destroyed, these Solomon conscripted for his slave labor force as it is to this day. But Solomon did not make slaves of the Israelites for his work, for they were his fighting men, commanders of the captains and the commanders of the chariots and the charioteers. They were also King Solomon's chief officials, 250 officials supervising the men. And those 10 verses, there's a key word that is there, and I think the word is rebuilding. It had been 20 years since God had placed Solomon as king. During that time, obviously, he built the temple, he built his own palace. But what was he doing now, after the 20 years? For many of us, we have to be careful in our lives that we don't kick back, but we continue to move forward. I think there's three things there in those verses that we can just talk a little bit about tonight. Solomon is still moving forward. He is keeping active. Now remember, we're body, soul, and spirit. And it's important that we be moving forward and really keeping balanced in all three areas of our life. You might just want to write those three words, physical, spiritual, and mental, or emotional. And on a scale from one to five, right next to it, five being very active and one being a couch potato. How are you doing in those three areas? Chart your life. Chart your life physically. Are you getting some physical exercise? Some rest? It's healthy to be challenged in all the areas of our lives. We need to have physical exercise and rest in a proper diet. 
Just grade yourself there tonight. How are you doing? Second, look at yourself mentally and emotionally. Are you stimulated? Solomon is really stimulated in a lot of areas of his life. We don't talk often about the physical. Sometimes we don't ever talk about the mental. But we'll see as we go through the book of Proverbs, you're going to see something very interesting. The physical is always tied in with the spiritual. You're going to see that Solomon tells us, if we're angry and bitter at people in a spiritual realm, will it affect us physically? Oh, So, again, remember that we're, we're tied together. You can't separate one out. And, of course, the last one you want to judge yourself on tonight is spiritually. Are you growing spiritually? If you look at that roller coaster ride, just over the last three months, are you going upward? Are you taking care of those things that need to be there? So he was moving forward. I think that's a positive thing. These three that I'm going to give you are the only positive things I'm going to give you for Solomon, so you might as well write them down. Number two, he is active in and through the lives of others. Solomon is rebuilding. There's areas of Israel that needed to be improved. He's capturing cities. He's using people. He's using the workers. He's using his army. He's using people. It's a team kind of effort. He's, inv- he's not a loner. He's using people and he's organizing people. Notice in verse 10, 250 officials supervising him. He was a great manager of people. Are you involved with others? One of the dangers of a large church is to come and just sit and say, well, they're not friendly there, whatever, and whatever, and you're not just... Second, are you in any kind of a small group? And third, are you serving? There's areas everywhere. Are you serving? This is what was happening in Israel, and it was healthy. Number three, he had a healthy emotional mental attitude. Look in verse six. He desired to build. He had a desire to see things come together. Do you have a desire to build in your own area of ministry, in your own life? Do you have a desire to accomplish things? You see, in the New Testament, Jesus spoke of it, and he said this, Occupy until I come back. And the word occupy is not in a wheelchair, sitting there just going, Hey, I just enjoy this all the time. If you watch some of these guys here in the wheelchair, they're more active than some of us that aren't in wheelchairs. They're busy for the Lord. So are you active for God? The New Testament says, Occupy till I come back. Another translation says, do business until I come back. A third one says, invest until I come back. So God wants us busy doing his thing. Verse 11. You can write by verse 11, the beginning of the end. Even though it's very early in Solomon's life. Solomon brought Pharaoh's daughter up from the city of David to the palace he had built for her. For he said, My wife must not live in the palace of David, king of Israel, because the the places the ark of the Lord has entered are holy. Just keep your finger there and turn back just a few books to Kings. 1 Kings chapter 3. Here's where we see the problem. It was earlier. 
But this is the beginning of a dangerous pattern in the life of Solomon. Now remember, God is open and and clear in the Bible to the positive things in people's lives and their downfall so that we can learn. In 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 1, we have this. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter. He brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. Solomon in his days copied what other pagan kings were doing. Now that's strange because God had given him wisdom not to do that. But he went after worldly wisdom. Now what they would do in those days is Solomon specifically here married this foreign woman who was a pagan, had her own gods, to secure political or military peace. You can see how easy that would work. Pharaoh's father, obviously, was the king of Egypt. This father-in-law of Solomon's would always think twice, three times, four times about ever making war against Israel, because why? His daughter's there. So this was kind of a thing that Solomon brought peace to Israel as a nation through compromise political alliances. Doesn't remind you too much of Washington, does it? You see, that kind of stuff just follows through. By the way, it finds its way in churches exactly the same. That we try to please whatever and who the big givers are, and that's why we don't know who the big givers are. And I don't know, and I could care less, and I'm not interested in ever knowing. Why? Because we don't want political stuff to begin running our church. So this is what happens. Now, what you will find, and go back to Second Chronicles 8.11, these small steps of compromise and disobedience will destroy our lives. You'll learn later that Solomon has a thousand wives. It started with one pagan wife. That was the beginning of the downfall. That was the beginning of the end. He added 999 more. Now we'll have more to say about that later. But it started with one. You see, that's those small steps that we look at and become deceived in. That's the man or the woman on the business trip in the hotel room and nobody's around and you're flipping the channel and you just watch 10 minutes of that station. Or you cheat just a little on the income tax. Or somebody talks to you at work and you... You know, you're supposed to leave early, I mean, supposed to be there, and you leave early, and you shouldn't have left early, and you didn't have permission to leave early, you just went and left early, and somebody else clocked you out. How's all that start? It starts with small things. It's true in my life. It's true in your life. You see, who we are privately, we've told you this before, is who we really are. So Solomon makes this mistake, and if you look in chapter 8, verse 11, Solomon absolutely knew that God didn't approve of this marriage. Notice, he says here, my wife can't live in the palace of David. So he moves her to another place. Why? Now, it wasn't because the ark was in the palace. It was because the ark was close in the temple to the palace. 
So Solomon says, I just dedicated this to God. His presence was there, and I can't have my pagan wife living near that holy ark. Did Solomon know it was wrong? Sure he knew it was wrong. What you'll find is this. Solomon never consulted God about this marriage. He used his own wisdom, and he went ahead and did it. So we have to be careful that we don't fall to that kind of thing. Solomon, Solomon leaned to his own understanding, just exactly what he said in verse 5, don't do. Don't, Solomon says, don't ever lean to your own understanding. What did Solomon do? Lean to his own understanding. Didn't follow his own wisdom. See, that's the tragedy. That's a tragedy for a pastor teaching the Word of God week in and week out, studying hours a week and not living by his own teaching. This is what Solomon did. Wisest man in all the world. His marriage was then on a rubber what? It was based on a rubber crutch. And how much does a rubber crutch hold you up? So here he is. Now, this is going to cause him problems, as we'll see later. Now, Solomon knew this was wrong. But look at what happens in verse 12. He tries to kind of cover it up. It's interesting. On the altar of the Lord that he had built in front of the portico, Solomon sacrificed burnt offerings to the Lord. According to the daily requirements of offerings, for offerings commanded by Moses for the Sabbath, new moons, the three annual feasts, the feast of the unleavened bread, feast of weeks, feast of tabernacles. In keeping with the ordinance of his father David, he appointed the divisions of the priests to their duties and the Levites to lead the praise and to assist the priests according to each day's requirement. He also appointed the gatekeepers by divisions for the various gates because this is what David, the man of God, had ordered. They did not deviate from the king's commands to the priests or to the Levites in any manner, including that of the treasuries. All Solomon's work was carried out from the day the foundation of the temple was laid until its completion. So the temple of the Lord was finished. So Solomon didn't deviate in any way in the religious commands of his father in all the things that were to be done in the temple. All the outside, the public, the religious form, Everything 100% looked great. So I wrote this for us. Outward religious form and activity cannot substitute for true inner holiness. You see, privately, Solomon was beginning to compromise. He was breaking God's laws. But publicly, everything that he did religiously was perfect. That's a great fallacy in our world today. We can have wonderful public where everything just be absolute. You can just be done perfect sitting here. And if we were in a more formal church where you go through all of the kind of things, the ups and downs and the sayings and the whatever and all those kind of things, nothing wrong with those things. You can go all through those, walk out the door and do your own thing. By the way, in our kinds of church, do you know you can sit here for a half hour, praise the Lord, raise your hand, this is exciting, great worship, go out and do your own thing. You can sit and you can fulfill and have a page full of notes. And outwardly it looks pretty good. The person next to you goes, wow. And we walk right out and do what? Our own thing. I can do the same. So see, it isn't the outward. 
The outward, I mean, he isn't deviating. I mean, people look and go, wow, he's doing exactly 100% what his father David said to do. And he was. But inwardly is beginning to crumble. So we have to be careful of our inward areas of our life. Now, verse 17. What you see in verse 17 18, I won't take time to read it tonight, but Solomon loved boats. He loved the maritime industry. Much of his enterprise with the Phoenicians and so forth increased his riches. So, I mean, he was not only into building on the land, he was everywhere. And because his name went everywhere, we'll see in chapter 9 what took place. As the riches, the wealth, the buildings of Solomon are known, look what takes place in chapter 9. Now, when the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, she came to Jerusalem to test him with hard questions. Arriving with a very great caravan with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones. She came to Solomon and talked with him about all she had on her mind. That must have been a long... (laughs) Shall I go there or shall I not? Okay. Yes, I might be going down a slippery path myself. Let's move along. I have to live with my wife tonight. All right, let's, let's move on. Women do like to have a few things to say once in a while, don't they? Let me get away from this rubber crutch and get back to <laughs> something of substance here. Now, as we see here, Sheba is a modern Yemen. Kind of heard that in the news, haven't you, too long ago? In Arabia. It's about 1,200 miles from Jerusalem. Can you imagine in those days coming in a caravan for 1,200 miles? Well, she came, and she came because of one thing. She had heard all of these things about the nation of Israel, the temple, the riches, the wisdom of Solomon, and about this God that the Israelites had really uh, been worshiping. And she came and wanted to know, basically, the question that I think is a very good one. It was the very reason God formed the nation of Israel. He formed the nation of Israel so that the pagan nations of the world could come to Israel and say, who is this single God you're serving? Israel was to be a place where the the world would come to Israel. We're to be a place that we're to go to the world. But so you see God's purpose was Who is this God of yours? This is one of the questions she came with. So the life of Solomon, even though inwardly was crumbling, the outward part God was still going to use as a witness for God. Now, here the queen of Sheba comes, and as she heard about all these things, she comes and begins to ask questions. Right by that verse, you might want to write these words, open doors. You see, people are hungry to find answers for life. In this section of Second Chronicles, we saw Solomon's heart change. At the start of chapter 8, he was still moving forward as a leader of Israel. He was experiencing great success, but made a compromise when it came to the daughter of Pharaoh. He was adding horses and eventually thousands of wives to his kingdom, which went against the Lord's commands for kings. 
small compromises would lead to even bigger ones. Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series the next time you join us. For those of you that like to have CD archives of Bible teachings, we'd like to offer you a CD of Pastor Mark's message from today. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5. This is only to cover the materials and shipping it takes for you to receive your CD. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option. Now, here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 2274. And the title of this message is Solomon's Roller Coaster Ride. Again, today's message number for ordering purposes is 2274. And the title of this message is Solomon's Roller Coaster Ride. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we continue through Second Chronicles hearing about the life and events during the reign of King Solomon. The Queen of Sheba will hear of the splendor and successes of Israel under Solomon's leadership, and she'll come not only with gifts for him, but many questions. As believers, we'll be challenged to look at whether our lives provoke questions as well. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time, as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of 2 Chronicles. That's next time on Lessons for Living.